Marine veteran Aaron Quinones became a proud Marine right out of high school. After eight years of military service and combat in Iraq, Sergeant Q suffered from depression, anger, and panic attacks and was diagnosed with PTSD. He nearly ended his own life and has now gone on to help others that battle the same mental health issues. Sergeant Q traded the battlefield for the mission field and found healing and purpose through building homes and churches, feeding children, and supplying precious hope to struggling communities worldwide. Q Missions, a pathway for veterans, is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Navy Federal Credit Union likes to reward their members for using their credit cards. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, today we're talking with Marine veteran Aaron Quinones. So, Aaron, you got some great things going on. You have Q Missions, which is your nonprofit, and you, and you also have a reliable um, commercial cleaning business and a whole bunch of other great stuff. Um, before we get to talking about all that, I want to take you back and uh, tell us what you did in the Marine Corps. Yeah, awesome. Well, hey, thanks for having me here, Joe. It's always great to chat with another Marine Corps veteran. Um, I heard you're a, a Cobra pilot, which is really cool. Because I, uh, I worked a lot with you guys. So I was in Anglico, oh, which yeah. is the Air Naval Gunfire Liaison Company. Yep. And so we call in all the air artillery mortars, Absolutely. naval gunfire. Not so much naval gunfire anymore. Uh, it's kind of outdated, but we used to do all of those combined arms and do uh, shoots with you guys, the Cobra pilots uh, up at OP Alpha out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, on Camp Pendleton. So Definitely. Yeah. It was, uh, it was great. I got um, recruited for first Anglico straight out of my MOS school. I was a uh, 2531, which now has been reclassed to 0621. They just changed the designator, but it's a field radio operator. Mm-hmm. And so Anglico, uh, anybody can really join Anglico. You have to pass the ABC course and then go through all your schools and get schooled out. But um, as a 2531, you're, you're highly sought after. Same thing with an 0861, which is a... Um, a Ford observer for artillery. And so they combine us together into small FIC teams, firepower control teams, or supporting arms liaison teams. And we'll go out. We're all master parachutists. I think now they've taken the jump billet away from Anglico. But when I was in, uh, we had a jump billet. And so I became a master parachutist. Uh, it's a small unit. And so there's a big budget. So I became a close combat instructor, the Naval Weapons Security Manager. You know, a bunch of guys went through uh, HRP, high-risk personnel course. We would do training packages for cold weather survival. We got to do a bunch of really fun stuff uh, out there. So thank you to all the taxpayers for uh, funding all of those adventures. They were awesome. Absolutely. And you spent some time in Iraq. Yeah. So I went to Iraq in 2003 when the war first kicked off. I just did one tour over there. And uh, when I came back, I I got out. So the stop loss had ended. My contract was ending. And so they're shipping everybody home whose contract was ending. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was one of those guys. And I remember I was I was struggling a little bit with sleep there. And uh, I know now hypervigilance. And I remember I was standing there on the tarmac getting ready to load the bird and the, somebody stood up in formation and said, all right, if anybody's having any, you know, uh, PTSD or anything like that, fall out right here and you can (laughs) go get your treatment right here in Iraq. Everybody else get on the bird. And I was like, I'm getting on that bird, man. I ain't (laughs) ain't staying here. 
And so I, I, I literally went from the battlefield to my front door in about 72 hours. And then they had me go to Swan Islands in Portland and process out with the six engineers. And I spent about a month of processing out and doing some training for the next teams that were going to be heading over. And then I was done. I was out. And I really struggled when I left because there wasn't really a transition program for, for me when I got out, there was really no resources. Things have changed a lot now, but man, when I got out, I was one of those guys that really just slipped through the cracks of, of the transition uh, period. And also of the mental health side of things, you know, I went to the VA to try and get help, but at that time they just weren't prepared for us. And so it was just a lot of over medication and it didn't help. And I ended up becoming uh, homeless for a while, living in my car, lost my job because I wasn't managing mental health well uh, at all. Right. And so I, I worked a bunch of really good jobs, like a sales manager at a car dealership and an account manager for a janitorial company. But I couldn't keep the job because I couldn't, I wasn't managing mental health and I didn't have a squad. I didn't, I, I, I really just jettisoned everything I knew about the military and, uh, didn't hang out with other vets, didn't want to be part of that life anymore and uh, shied away from it. And I think that is what was the biggest uh, thing that set me back was not having my brothers around me to hold me accountable and help me when I was struggling. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in my book, I talk about uh, a study that was done by the department of the army. It's a 40 year long study uh, to determine why the U S military is so formidable on the battlefield. And they narrowed it down to one single element, which is the squad. Because we fight in squads, we're more effective because every member uh, of the squad values the squad over themselves and they'll fight harder and longer to stay alive because they don't want to let the squad down. Mm -hmm. But when we leave the military, we don't have that squad anymore. So I really encourage guys when they get out, when they transition out, go connect with other veterans in your your church, in your community, um, in your neighborhood. And recreate that squad because it's the most valuable thing that you can have uh, is that group of guys who know you and understand you and who can help you when you're struggling. And you can help them as well. It's a two-way street. Wow. Yeah, I, I, rem- I had a similar experience. I, my first tour in Iraq, I, I volunteered to go with a squadron that needed extra Cobra pilots. And so I went with them. And then when I got back, like within a couple of days – I was, I was back home separated from that unit and everybody I'd been in Iraq with. I was still around, I was kind of in administrative command at the time, but I was still around Marines, but I was like nowhere, anywhere near anybody that I had been over there with. And it was just, I just remember it was a phenomenal culture shock. I st- I was still in the Marine Corps at that point. Um, so I had that, but I definitely, it was, it was definitely a culture shock and I was command separated from everything I'd done in the last seven, eight months. And it was, it was quite, quite an adjustment um, to, to say the least. So certainly understand you know, what you're talking about. And plus you, like within 72 hours, you were completely out of the Marine Corps and gone from everybody and everything that you had been around for the last eight years, especially the most intense part right there at the end over in Iraq. Right. Yeah. So, um, so what were some of the things like, you, what's the name of your, first of all, what's the name of your book? So uh, the name of my book is Healing to Service. It's the Warrior's Guidebook to Overcoming Trauma. Yeah. Okay. So talk a little bit about your book and some of the things you discovered and in, in what's in your book about ultimately dealing with PTSD, mental health, and healing. 
what were some of the things you discovered? What were some of the solutions that you stumbled upon? Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a, a great question. There's, there's, the book is full of um, medical studies and scriptural, um, you know, theological ideas. And what I was doing, I was really struggling with mental health and I was, I was getting ready to be homeless for the third time. And um, I couldn't hold down a job. I was really struggling. And so I started a small janitorial company, just me and one other guy scrubbing floors in the middle of the night, just so I could make enough money to eat. So I didn't become homeless again. And uh, nobody would hire me. I just wasn't reliable. And so it's funny because the name of my company is reliable commercial cleaning because that's where I was lacking in my life. And Mm. I knew I needed to change that. And so I just went back to the fundamentals of what the Marine Corps taught me. And so in the book, healing through service of warriors guidebook to overcoming trauma, we put those three things together. We, we, uh, talk about, you know, the military and the discipline that's there, the structure, the routine and the discipline that's there that helped us be successful, the squad mentality that we had talked about that helps you be successful. And then I wrote it similar to a five paragraph order Mm -hmm. where there's just five sections in every single chapter. And, and the first, the first section is going to be where we just introduce this concept uh, of, of whatever we're talking about, right? And so the first one, I talk about these three mental health camps that everybody finds themselves in. So we talk about this idea, and then we talk about um, what does science say? So what what is the intel uh, about this. So how does the brain operate? We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about different research studies that have been out there um, about this, how the brain operates. Then we'll do what we call scriptural unpack, where we'll now talk about what does the Bible say about this concept that science is proving. And then we do what we call a tactical application. So we take the concept, the science, and the biblical principles, and we put that together into an action item that you can do right now today. And when you finish with that action item, then there's a conclusion or a transition to the next chapter. And I basically just Mr. Miyagi you through the whole process, right? We're just in the beginning, we're just painting the fence, just paint the fence. And then by we get to chapter three or four, then I show you why we were doing those exercises to prove to you these concepts that we're learning in the book. And so how I got, uh, I, I wasn't a Christian when I first, uh, in my life at all until about 14 years ago, right when I started this process. I had actually almost committed suicide in a parking lot, and um, I didn't end up doing it. I had ended up falling asleep, and when I woke up, those suicidal ideations were gone. A couple of days later, a friend invited me to church, and I was like, ah, I'm not interested. I don't want to go to church. I'm good. Uh, But he sent me the address, and I went. And I drove right back into that same parking lot that I'd almost committed suicide in. I had no idea that it was a church Mm. and it was just a big vacant parking lot. And so that was a really creepy experience, man, to drive back in and just be like, Whoa, this is different, right? Like (laughs) this is really weird. And uh, I knew I, I didn't know God, but I knew there was something there and I needed to investigate it. So I started going to church and I, I joined a small group and I started to read the Bible. At the same time, I'm trying to get my life together. So I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading these medical journals because I wasn't getting help at the VA. So I'm reading these research studies. I'm reading psychology magazines and I'm trying to understand how the brain works so I can fix it. In the Marines, I was a close combat instructor, and they say, one mind, any weapon. So I looked at my mind as a weapon, and if it's malfunctioning, I can break that thing down, figure out where it's malfunctioning, and then get it back in the fight. 
And so that's what I tried to do. And that's what the whole book does. What I discovered was that there was healing through serving others. I, with my church, I got invited to go to Mexico to build a home for a homeless family. And I just like, ah, I don't want to do that, right? Like if you talked about homelessness, it, it was one of those triggers for me. It, it caused me anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then they told me, oh, it's on Memorial Day weekend. And I was like, oh, I got plans for Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to go belly up to the bar and get drunk and, you know, remember my friends that didn't come back with me, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, but I ended up going, I ended up going on that trip. And what I learned was, so when I went, I, I, I felt something. And I didn't really know what it was, but I knew I needed more of it. Um, I was starting to have emotions for the first time where I just felt numb and kind of dead inside. I was, I, I actually started feeling things. And I was like, this is incredible. And on Memorial Day weekend, um, God showed me that there was a better way to honor those guys that didn't come back was to continue serving people in life as they had served us in death and to honor their memory by continuing to serve other people. So when I got back, uh, to United States, I went to my church and I said, Hey, when do I go on another one of these? They said, Oh, we only do it one time a year. It's like, well, that's not enough for me. Hmm. And so they got me connected with a few different organizations like, uh, YWAM, Youth with a Mission, Builders International, AGWM. And I started going, uh, four or five times a year all over the world, Haiti, Honduras, Mexico, Cambodia, and, and, and building churches, schools, and orphanages. And it was helping me heal. And I would do really well when I would go on mission. And then when I would come back, I would start to just drop off. And so I started volunteering in my own community with my church, with youth ministry, with homeless outreach, all of these different things. And it helped me stay level, helped me stay stable. And I was like, okay, this is helping me. And I would journal this stuff. And I just created a program for myself. I didn't really want to do any of the work that I'm doing now, helping veterans. That wasn't my goal. It was just to help me maintain so I could be successful. And by utilizing these things that are in the book, I went from being homeless and suicidal to um, owning and operating a large janitorial company in the Pacific Northwest where I have two separate branches and over 105 employees. I now have an award-winning nonprofit that's received multiple awards from the Department of Veterans Affairs. And in 2017, I was named Seattle's hometown hero for this program because now I take veterans down to Mexico and I teach them everything um, that's in the book. And that's how the book really started was me just teaching classes on how the brain operates. God showed me that I can only touch so many people through that. And so that's why I wrote the book. And now it's out there. It's on Amazon. It's in Target. It's all over the place. And people can pick it up and go through that same program that that I've been sending veterans through. And not just veterans are getting help from this, which is incredible. I get emails all the time from civilians who say, hey, I picked this up for my brother who's a vet. And it really helped me with my trauma. And I was like, right on, man. I It wasn't my goal, but I'm glad that that's, that's an arterial mission that's getting you know, getting well, taken care of. So pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Hey Aaron, uh, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. For over 31 years as a Navy federal member, I've had many Navy federal credit cards and I can tell you that their rewards programs are great. We've booked a lot of airline tickets using our Navy federal rewards program over the years. And you can now earn up to 1.75% cash back on all purchases with the cash rewards card from Navy federal credit union. When you sign up for direct deposit. And when you use the Navy Federal mobile app, you can redeem your rewards as soon as you earn them. Also, there's no annual balance transfer 
or foreign transaction fees. Plus, rewards never expire. So if you're looking for a card that has a great cash rewards program, the Navy Federal has what you're looking for. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal is federally insured by NCUA. All right, back talking with Marine veteran Aaron Quinones, Sergeant Q. So talk to us about, in the beginning when you started your commercial cleaning business, no one was hiring you and you used the word reliable because it, it was the opposite of what you were or what you were missing in life. So once you started getting past some of the PTSD issues and, and figuring out how to heal, ultimately you ended up growing and running a successful cleaning business. Right. So they, they kind of came together at the same time. Like I was trying to mm-hmm. understand how the, it wasn't like I, I had figured out how to heal from PTSD and then started my company. Like I was doing both of those things at the same time. Uh-huh. And there were times where I was dealing with the anxiety so bad that I would go in my office and lock the door, climb under my desk and try and fall asleep. Because if I could fall asleep, that was the only thing that would shut off that fight or flight response. I, nothing else would do it. I mean, there was medication I could take, but then I would feel exhausted afterwards. So if I could fall asleep, even for 30 seconds, it would help reset my body. So I was still dealing with mental health um, and trying to figure that out and struggling with that as I was building the company. And so I knew that um, I, I, nobody wanted to really hire me because I wasn't reliable. So I knew I needed that in my company is we needed to be reliable um, customers. We need to give them a good product at a fair price. And we needed to honor our word. And those are things that we learn in the military, right? Those are things, honor, mm-hmm. courage, and commitment. Those are the pillars of the Marine Corps. And so we have to be, and I tell people now, because um, I run a small business development group as well. And I, the first thing I teach them is you have to be honorable in all things. And so, number two is to surround yourself with people of high integrity. And number three, if anybody asks you to violate rule one, refer to rule two. <laughs> and that has helped me tremendously. I made some big mistakes uh, early on in my business. I hired people that had low integrity because they were, they're they putting numbers on the board, right? They were getting accounts. They, they could speak really well. They were getting in front of customers. They didn't have the anxiety that I did, but I knew the guy was cheating on his wife. I knew he was cheating on his taxes. And so he ended up embezzling about $250,000 out of my company and almost bankrupted me. Mm. And I learned uh, those three rules right there is to be honorable in all things and to surround yourself with people of high integrity. And that really changed things for me because I had to not just let go of him, but let go of a lot of people. Because when I looked at the contracts that he was signing, they weren't profitable and I wasn't paying close enough attention. Um, they, They weren't profitable. So I had to let go of a bunch of contracts, a, a bunch of people who were playing the same shitty games that he was and uh, basically rebuild my company. And I rebuilt it with integrity in mind. And so now when we go and we see a customer, I, I'm not the cheapest price. And I tell people that I said, but you're not going to get better service than what we provide. Mm-hmm. And I started really small. You know, my company got reduced to about 50% of its, its size at the time I was about 40 employees. So I got down to about 20 which was a huge blow to my ego, but I I really poured into those 20 guys and I really 
focused on doing a good job, even if it took a little bit longer, giving the customer more than they asked for, set the expectation low and then over deliver, uh, being honest and open with the customer, you know, about things. And when I, when my, my employees could see me operating like that, operating with integrity, not just in the business life, but in my personal life as well. And people think like, oh, well, you know, I have my corporate life and I have my personal life. Well, if you're an entrepreneur, those are the same thing. Those are the same yep. thing. You know, I think Forbes did a survey of the, of the uh, top CEOs in the Fortune 500 uh, companies a couple of years ago. And they asked them, what's the number one thing that you need to have to be successful in business? And overwhelmingly with like 95%, everybody said the number one thing is you have to have integrity. Nobody wants to work with somebody that they cannot trust. And so if people feel like they cannot trust you, then they're not going to do business with you. And so that's what I really, really focused on. uh, And, and is, is having integrity and being somebody that was reliable, that somebody could trust to handle their business. And I looked at my job as the, we run a janitorial company, right? So we clean toilets for a living. It's, it's not a high profile job, Mm -hmm. but that's not our real job. Our real job is not to clean the facility. Our real job is to make our customers successful. And how do we do that? If they have a client walk into their building, the front entryway is clean, the entryway glass is bright, they walk in, the floors are clean, the bathrooms are immaculate. That sets that business up for success because when that client walks in, it puts them in a good mood. Psychologically, they they feel comfortable because it's a clean, well-lit environment. The building's well taken care of it puts them in a different mindset than if they come in and there's trash on the front entryway, the glass is dirty, the bathrooms aren't stocked, there's urine on the floor, it smells bad. That's not going to be helping my customer be successful. And so I changed my focus. And so this is the advice I'd give to any entrepreneur out there or somebody who's looking to just move up the rung in their business Mm -hmm. is look at yourself as your job isn't the task that they're giving you. Your job is to help your company or your client be successful. So what does that take? What does it take to make sure that they are successful? And you do that sometimes at your own expense. Here's a perfect example. During the the COVID uh, shutdown, you know, some of my clients had to shut their buildings down. One of them is the Museum of Flight, which is in, um, in Seattle. It's a huge, huge museum. It's funded by Boeing and a few other partners mm-hmm. and they had to close their doors. And so we just said, hey, we're going to make sure this facility is clean. We're going to reduce our specification. We're going to reduce our cost. We ended up doing that account just at cost. We didn't, we nixed all of our profit. We just wanted to help them be successful because they still had to run. They still had to have some meetings in there and some things happening, but mm-hmm. they couldn't pay for full service like they used to because they didn't have the revenue coming in through people coming through the doors because they weren't open to the public. So we found all kinds of creative ways to help them be successful. And just this last spring, they, they brought in, they, they reviewed every contract that they had had. And I'd been with them for over 10 years and had never been put out to bid. And we figured, okay, well, because of the COVID and because we've never been put out to bid, we'll probably go through an RFP, a request for proposal. Um, and so we weren't worried about losing the contract, but we, we figured we'd go through that process. We got an internal email forwarded to us because we watched all these other vendors come in and get changed out, Uh you know, within a week. And so we figured, okay, well, we're next. Well, we got an internal email 
basically that said, um, and this is from the department head to the CEO telling him like, Hey, I, I had planned on, um, you know, sending, sending the janitorial out to RFP, you know, this year, but after the last 14 months working with RCC during this COVID shutdown, they've operated more like one of our own departments than a client looking out or than, than a, than a vendor looking out for their own best interests. He goes, so I, I see no reason to put them out to bid uh, this year at all. And so that got forwarded to us and that's the culture that we create. So think about that in your own jobs, in your own businesses, or if you want to start a business, Mm -hmm. your, your job isn't really selling a widget or providing a service. That's really not your job. That may be what you do, but your true job is to make that person successful. So how do you do that? How do you make your customer or client or supervisor or company, how do you make them successful? If you shift that mindset, it's going to be amazing how successful you will become by helping others become successful. Wow, that's awesome. Now, you've been running your commercial cleaning business for about 13 years now. Um, Right. Talk about some of the milestones or how you started with, it was just you and a buddy trying to make enough money to eat in the beginning. And then you, you grew and got big, bigger contracts and more employees. Talk about some of the milestones and lessons learned in, in growing a company like that. Cause I think you said you have like maybe 105 employees now. Right. Right. So yeah. I, I tell people, you have to make an investment into your infrastructure before you're going to pivot and grow. Otherwise you're going to overextend yourself mm-hmm. and you're going to start having all these problems pop up and you're going to be putting out fires left and right. And so I experienced that. So now when I get ready to pivot and grow, I invest about a year's worth of profit into infrastructure. And so that can be buying new equipment. It can be, uh, you know, training. It can be, I focus a lot on leadership training of my leadership. I've got Mm -hmm. 105 employees, but really I manage about five of them, Mm -hmm. five to six because I really invest in them as people. And so I really tried to, when I rebuilt my company, I got it up to, I was trying to get over 50 employees and I couldn't do it. And so uh, I really struggled in that area. And I went through uh, John Maxwell training. It's a leadership training. I went through that and became a certified speaker trainer and coach through John Maxwell. And what I learned there was that I needed to stop trying to grow my business, that I needed to grow my people. And if I grew my people, they would grow my business. And in about 30 months, we almost doubled in size because I shifted my focus. I stopped trying to grow business and I started trying to grow my people. And that made a huge difference. I would meet with them one-on-one and I would talk to them about these different leadership principles. I would talk to them about their own personal lives, about, you know, uh, I I had, I had a, a, a gal working for me who, you know, two of her, two of her sons were going in the military and she was really nervous about that. So I was able to talk to her about that. Um, you know, there's another lady who, you know, ended up going to prison. You know, she said, Hey, I did some stuff in my past and now I've kind of got to go to go away for a bit to pay my dues. Hey, you know, um, I'm really sorry, but hopefully I can have a job when I came back. And I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And she thought, well, I'll never see these guys again. Right. But she, she did. She called us like two years later and I said, 
she's like, Hey, can I have my old job back? And I said, actually, no. I said, I filled that position, but I have a supervisor position. I'd like to bring you on as that. And she was just astounded. Like, why would you trust me to be a supervisor? I said, well, because you have integrity. You could have tried to plea out. You could have tried to make all these excuses about, you know, the drug charges you had, but you didn't. You just said, yep, I did it and I'll pay the price. I said, those are the kind of people that I need in my company. Mm. And she's one of my most successful um, uh, employees because she understands that the value of integrity. And so I would tell you guys out there, if, if you want to grow your business, uh, start focusing on growing your people and, and they're going to grow your business. That's awesome, man. So the whole time you're growing your successful commercial cleaning business, you're also still doing mission trips and giving back to others and serving others. Eventually you started the nonprofit Q missions, which basically just made that a, a big focus, a main effort as far as serving that. So talk a little bit about Q missions and some of the things you're still doing. Sure. Absolutely. So Q missions, um, it's funny because most things I've done in my life, I've done reluctantly. <laughs> so like going on that first mission trip was reluctant working with veterans. It was reluctant starting the program, writing the book. I've all been like, Oh man, that seems like a lot of work. I don't know if I want to do that. But what I've learned is that, you know, most, that's most people's attitude. And so, uh, most people miss out on blessings because it looks like work. And so they avoid it. And that was me, right? I didn't want to do it. I did it. And so I see all these blessings now, which is really cool. So with Q missions, um, you know, I felt the Lord calling me to, to lead other veterans on the mission field to help them find the same healing that I did. And again, I said, I was reluctant about it. And I had one of, uh, one of my Marines, uh, Jason Royer, he went off the grid and, uh, Typically, when we find that person, they've committed suicide. And so I remember I just prayed and I said, God, Jason's death doesn't have to be the catalyst for me to, to help veterans. I'll do it. Whether, whether he makes it or not, I'll do it. And so uh, I called one of these organizations that I'd worked with, YWAM. I said, hey, I want to bring a team. They gave me the pricing. I set the date for Veterans Day. And then I just started collecting veterans to, to come on the trip guys that I knew. And there wasn't really a formal program at the time. It was just, Hey, come down and build a house and let's see what happens. Uh Three days later, I got a call or I got a, I got a message. Um, They found Jason and uh, he had checked himself into the VA hospital for inpatient treatment. Mm. And so I couldn't turn back now. (laughs) Right. Like I was like, okay, I got to go forward. So I did. And I led that first team down to Mexico and I just saw these guys come alive, man. Guys that were on suicide watch, you know, guys that were, their marriages were struggling. I saw them come alive and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta continue to do this and I have to formalize the program. I got to teach them everything that I know. So I started doing that. I started creating these hip pocket classes, which I learned how to do in the military. And so I could teach them these things that I knew, these concepts and how to, how to, how to do these things. And Mm -hmm. I wrote this little tiny little like field manual, you know, just printed it out myself and, and, and like bound it together and give it to these guys as they went through and uh, just teaching them this process of healing through service. And one of the unique things we do it on Memorial day and there's a few reasons we do that. Number one, because Memorial day typically is filled with a lot of bad memories for us. Mm -hmm. And so by doing this on Memorial day, it helps build positive memories around that date, which is one of the concepts in the book is that you have to build, you have to build 
positive reinforcing memories around a negative experience so you can overcome it. It's very similar to if you uh, have a fighting position that's, that's out there and one of your fighting positions gets hit and it becomes weakened. Well, you don't just leave that one open so the enemy can come in. You've got to reinforce it. You've got to put a couple of machine guns there so you have intersecting fields of fire. You've got to reinforce it with troops. Maybe if you have an Anglico guy, he's going to put some steel on target for you, right? But you've got to do that in a military setting. So I just transition those battlefield tactics to a new battlefield, which is the battlefield of our mind. And so that area where we're wounded, we want to shy away from it because it causes us pain. Mm -hmm. But if we don't do that, if we try to build positive memories around it, we literally are rewiring our brain away from the trauma. So for me, an example would be homelessness. I was really, really, it was a big trigger for me. But now I build houses for the homeless. So now when I talk about homelessness, that's the files that my brain pulls up are mm-hmm. all these positive experiences building homes for the homeless, not the negative experiences of being homeless as a child or homeless living in my car or dealing with PTSD. So I'm rewiring my brain. So for Memorial Day, when we do that, a lot of guys like me have negative experiences around Memorial Day. So I help them build a positive experience during that time. One of the other things that we do is every home is built in honor of one of our fallen brothers and we bring their family members with us, which is really cool. I work with some gold star moms out of Washington. And the thing that I hear from the the gold star moms is that um, most times they, they know everything about how their loved one died, but they don't really know how they lived. And so when they can come on mission with us, I run it just like a military operation. You get a briefing, you get a gear list, you're assigned a squad leader and we do formations. There's, you know, child time. It's very regimented, not as bad as the military, but it's, it's a quasi experience. And so for some guys, it's old hats like, okay, I don't really want to do this. It's stupid. But by the end they're like, Hey man, I really appreciated that. That was awesome Mm -hmm. to, to kind of relive that, that past life. But for the gold star moms, they get to see us operating, you know, um, with one another. They get to kind of peek behind the curtain and see, oh, this is how my loved one lived, right? With this camaraderie, with playing grab ass, with, you know, um, you know, the joking and, but being on mission and getting something accomplished. I mean, heck, we build a house in two days, bro. Like it's, it's, it's a quite a feat, quite an undertaking and we do it. And so they're able to see that. And so it gives them a little bit of perspective. The other thing that's really cool is that when we bring veterans, we tell them to bring their spouse because when the military member goes uh, on mission, they have one experience and the spouse stays home. They have a different experience. So when they come together, there's friction there. So we, when we bring them on mission, they get that same experience, that same bonding that we get with our brothers when we go overseas, they now experience that with their loved one. And a lot of times our spouses, they see the worst in us. They see us when we're angry, when we're depressed, when we have anxiety, you know, when we're drinking too much, that's what they see. And now they see us motivated on mission, on point, getting stuff accomplished, you know, having fun, having purpose. And they're like, wow, this is the person I remember. This is the person I fell in love with. And now they have that shared experience that they can start to build from uh, and, and change the family dynamic and change the legacy of their own family. Wow. That's awesome. Sergeant Q doing great things, man. Hey, tell us, tell us about the name of your book again, real quick. 
Yeah. So the book is called Healing Through Service. And so you can go to healingthroughservice.com. You can find the book there. And I'm also doing small groups. So there's a video series that you can go through on your own if you want, or I'm going to start teaching it later on this fall. It's a six week long series and you can join that with one of my teams and you'll be going through it with me teaching you uh, in the small group how to use these, um, these processes. Okay. Is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon. It's on target. Okay. It's uh, so if you go to healing uh, you can click that link and you can get it there, but yeah, you can find it on Amazon. It's on Great. Kindle. I haven't done audible yet, but that's one of the directions we're going to go. Okay. We'll try to put, put a, uh, if you're listening to this driving down the road, try to put a link in the show notes um, to your book, a couple different links there. So that's Fantastic. awesome. Yeah. So um, last word, if you're talking to somebody that's getting out of the military, they're looking at this transition process. Uh, if they have an idea for starting a nonprofit or thinking they want to go into entrepreneurship, what kind of advice comes to mind? I would say surround yourself with the people that you want to be like, you know, don't, yeah. don't surround yourself with people. If, if you want to be an entrepreneur, don't surround yourself with people working a nine to five. You got to <laughs> surround yourself with other entrepreneurs yep. because that's what you want to assimilate to is you want to be like that. So find those people uh, who are doing the things that you want to do and, and get into those friend groups, man, because they're going to be able to, to hold you accountable to your goals, which is really important, but they're also going to be able to mentor you. They're also going to be able to open doors for you. They're going to want to help you. If you're motivated, um, you know, they're going to want to help you get to that next level. So find those people and surround yourself with them. Awesome. Great advice, Sergeant Q. All right. We're out of time. Awesome interview. Thanks for sharing your personal story and your entrepreneurial success story, both in, in the, in the business world and in the nonprofit doing great things, Sergeant Q. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right. These two Marines are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.